Welcome to the Detroit Tigers Minor League Tracker Podcast. I'm your host, Keenan Carter, joined as always by my buddy, Robert James. I say, as always, Robert James, but it's been since March 2nd. March 2nd, 2020 has been our last podcast. Can you believe that? I can, yeah. I I know we didn't do one last season. So this is our first uh, pandemic podcast. Was the I think the pandemic was happening then? Maybe we recorded it from my when I was in my office still. I well, feel yeah, like that might have happened. It's about I, uh, March second. It's about uh, you know ten, twelve days before the pandemic really kicked in. So, um, okay. but I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you in a minute, <clears throat> Robert. Because um, if my association, yeah. if my association with Robert's not indicative enough of how I should not be taken seriously in this arena at all. We've invited special guest Trevor Huth onto the show tonight. Huth, what's Speaking happening? Speaking of people who shouldn't be taken seriously at all, thanks for having me. I, I, you know, it's the first time no, I think I've, Thank you. first time I've ever spoken to you. I think Huth, <laughs> but I feel like I can call you Huth. I feel like I yeah. know you. That's what um, everybody calls me, so that's fine. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I appreciate you having me. It's going to be fun. I love a lefty with a changeup. That's the only reason you're here. My changeup is my fastball, so that technically counts. Um. So I, 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 no, really, I do appreciate you because uh, I know you've got lots of uh, Canadian Football League teams who have been uh, calling your phone off the hook, trying to set up some tryouts. Uh, people don't know this. Trevor's, Trevor's an elite athlete. Um, yeah. No, I, I believe he's referring to my uh, one pitch that I put up a video on Twitter and then my attempt at kicking a field goal at Ford Field, which was just completely embarrassing with a the Hall of Fame kicker standing right there. I think it was Jason Hansen was just standing right there. I'm like, like, do you have any tips? He goes, oh, yeah, have fun with it. So I went to kick in jeans. Did not go well. Made it almost five yards, maybe. The video was awesome, though, because you, you played it like you just nailed the Super Bowl game winner. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that, was, that was brutal. It's like if someone was like, what, would, what did your prom look like as an extra point attempt? That's like basically what it was, more <laughs> or less. <laughs> like, but, uh, it was so brutal. Trevor, I can't even. We don't. I don't know if we have time to read off your resume now because you're you're working for all kinds of different entities these <laughs> days. I can't even keep track. Prospects Live. Why don't you Why don't you give us the rundown? What are you up to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Plug um, your stuff. I'm working. Uh, I'm working uh, on team boards along with the rest of the team at, at Prospects Live. We're we're running through those. Uh, we're starting to get down to the fun systems where there's there's a lot of guys. So it's it's. Uh, it's a good time. Make sure to check those out. Uh, bless you, boys. I'm still writing there. Uh, just released a piece today. Even if this release is a different day, I, the when we're recording it, I released a piece today. It was the five uh, other pitchers who didn't make the top 30. So there was the top 30, the guys who were close to it, and then uh, this group of five pitchers. I was full up with gifts um, of each pitch, at least that I could find. I had a, I had trouble with a couple, but. Uh, other than that, the uh, I'm also the podcast manager at PitcherList, so we just launched a podcast network, and uh, that it's it's just getting off the ground. But I'm I'm was put in charge of it for some reason, so it's a lot of fun. And of course, uh, every now and then, if I get bored, I just do gift threads of pitchers on Twitter, minor league pitchers. Yeah, yeah, Re- read your handle because I, I think that's a really great resource yeah. when you do that. I think it's yeah. awesome. It's, uh, it's at Hooth Trevor. It's where you can find me on Twitter. H o o t h and then Trevor. Great. What in the See, Sam hell happened there? Well, you you froze and then you were gone. Man. We were just, you know. This is why I can't function without Roger. 
Yeah, you sound great now, though. There's no stat. I mean, you sound oh, very clear right now. Uh, yeah, I sound I sound great until the connection gets lost again, which is weird because I have ether. It's Ethernet connection, so I don't know. Yeah, so freaking I mean, AT and T fiber. Yeah, it's huge storms all over the country. I don't know. Things are kind of a mess. Yeah. So Trevor, you're in the middle of plugging your article that you put out today on Bless You Boys about five something or others before my <laughs> situation uh, went awry. Yeah. No problem. Uh, so yeah, I put uh, I put out a my most recent piece on Bless You Boys. We're getting ready to do our um, top thirty write-ups, and I put out a, a article that gave uh, five pitchers that didn't quite make either the top thirty or the five extra prospects that we already wrote about. That Jay Markle did did a good job with that, and uh, so you can check that out on Bless You Boys. And of course, uh, I was became the podcast manager at Pitcherlist recently. We just launched our podcast network. There's twenty plus podcasts now just in that network so uh that's been a huge undertaking but it's been a lot of fun and and uh you can always find all that work at hooth trevor on on twitter um also there if i ever get bored is a bunch of uh minor league uh, pitcher gift threads uh just because i i think that a huge i mean just me when i was wanted to get started with prospects a huge thing was i wanted to see what they were and it's very hard to sometimes so I like Fantastic. to uh, try to provide that. Outstanding. Outstanding. So you're a reputable source, and that's yeah. why you're on the show. And Robert, true to form, sounds like he's doing yoga or something. What, what the hell are you doing, Robert? Nothing. Always, I'm pacing. I'm watching, I'm watching SummerSlam 89, and it's uh, Brain Busters versus the Heart Foundation right now. And okay. uh, I can't remember who wins, so this, this should be fun. I'm kind of so, at the edge of my seat here. This is right before the Heart Foundation got another push. So, so I, so I tasked Robert with coming up with the agenda for tonight, which basically means we're going to be talking about, um, student loan debt relief. <laughs> yeah, um, right. We'll be talking about service time manipulation as it relates to the next collective bargaining agreement. <laughs> and, um, if we're lucky, if we have enough time, we're going to talk about turn of the century, Diane Lane. So, <laughs> oh, stick around for yeah. that. I'm going to watch uh, the one where she goes to Italy. That's a good one. I like that one. Um, Unfaithful gets most of the press, but the the one where she goes to Italy is pretty good, too. She's like a fine wine. She just gets better with age. Huth has no idea what we're even talking about. Yeah, I'm going to be probably useless like half our through age. this whole pod uh, based on this, what I was just told we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're so I think we should actually start with like, so last year, the minor, league, the minor league season got completely nuked. The thing that Major League Baseball did was uh, kind of interesting where they had they expanded the rosters and then they would have what was called an alternate site. So for Detroit, they're in Toledo. And basically, they just had a bunch of guys who were there uh, who could just get called up as the year progressed. But there were no minor league baseball games. You know, there was no minor league season like there traditionally is, right? And then for a while, they would scrimmage against other teams who had, who you know, the other team's prospects in the alternate site. Uh, by, the, by late in the year, that didn't even happen anymore. And that, I think they were just doing like BP and, you know, stuff like that. They were just doing workouts. So it was kind of a bizarre year and, uh, you know, where just all of this valuable time kind of basically got nuked, right? And so uh, I think it's a good... I think a good way to start is to kind of take the top guys in the system and 
and talk about where they ended up last year and what kind of work they got in, right? Okay. So we can, or Keenan, you want to go? You want to start with a couple guys? Well, I mean, we. I think you wanted to talk about the guys who made their major league debuts first and foremost. And um, correct. The Tigers had ten guys make their major league debut last year. Um, two of them are no longer in the system: Anthony Castro and Sergio Alcantara. So we we can kind of skip over them. But um, I guess we'll start with the pitchers. And, and Tarek Skubal is probably of the one, two. Th- three, four, five pitchers who made their major league debuts is one that probably impressed the most and looks like he is uh, the most ready to to take the the next step forward. He had eight starts, did give up nine home runs in 32 innings, but um, 37 strikeouts and 11 walks and uh, really lived off that, off that fastball, particularly in his earlier starts. He was very, very fastball heavy. He was getting a a high ratio of fly balls versus ground balls. Um, he took his lumps. He took his lumps, and they managed him very carefully in terms of his pitch counts. Um, I know he's been working with the folks over at Driveline and really refining his mechanics. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a lot of people that think Scoople has the most upside in the system and has since leapfrogged bigger names uh, since like Casey Mize and Matt Manning. What do you, what do you think, Huth? I, I don't know about leapfrog, but I, I was really impressed with Scooble, uh in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I was among the uh, group who was worried about it because in the minors, you know, that, that famous number of 70% fastballs that he was throwing to be successful. Uh, you know, that's just that's just so hard to do at the major league level. And I know that when whenever uh, I brought that up, everybody says, oh, yeah, well, Lance Lynn. Like, oh, yeah, well, Lance Lynn had like eight years to figure it out and become as good as he is right now. I mean, he was around for a long time. Uh, before becoming a household name. So I was a little worried. I was really impressed. Um, but what struck me the most about Scooble was not his fastball, it was his off-speed. Um, I know I had a chance to talk to him um, almost a year ago today, actually, because it, he, he was on a, uh, a PitchCon presentation that I was on, for those of you who have heard of PitchCon. And he was talking about wanting to reshape his breaking balls, um, and specifically his curveball. And... and he did that. It was clear to tell because if if you go back and watch his starts in the minor leagues from 2019, his breaking balls are distinct at times. Sometimes it looks like they might bleed into each other and look to you know get slurvy. And, and when he was showing in the majors, he had two distinct breaking balls. Like he had his curveball, he had a slider. That was a huge step forward for me. So I, I'm excited to see where he goes. I always felt like Scooble's secondaries were a little underrated in the minors uh, when he was mowing people down in the Eastern League. And I, and I spoke to him almost two years ago to the day. Yeah. Um, and he he specifically stated that the pitch that he had the least amount of confidence in was his curveball. Um, so, that, Robert, what are you doing, man? Nothing. I'm just pacing. I'm not doing anything. You taking bong hits? No, I'm just, what does it sound like? I'm just walking back and forth, watching you're, wrestling. You're breathing real heavy, my man. Oh, like I'll hold a, a drink like, and, and being ref- like, like a refreshing wait, drink. Wait no, I'm the, not. Wait till the end to put the Diane Lane movie on. <laughs> okay, go on. Go on, Keenan. All right, all right. So, uh, Scooble, I think his, I think his secondaries are, have been underrated. I mean... The, the, the slider is a legitimate outpitch to me. Um, he can get, I think he can throw it on the back foot of right-handers. Um, so we'll see. I mean, 
the, the, I think the biggest question is, is can we, what happens when we stretch them out to a hundred pitches uh, and over the course of a, of a full major league season? Um, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen this year. So we may not see they'll stretch them out quite a bit, but we're not going to see 30 starts of him going deep into ball games. I don't know, Robert, you haven't had a chance to speak on Scooble Cause I know you were kind of, you were a bit of a critic of his, uh, of his secondaries when you were watching all his starts in Erie. You weren't as high on his secondaries as I was. Correct. Correct. I'm super high on the fastball though. I mean, I, I love the heater. Like Trevor said, he threw it 70% of the time in the minors. That said, for people who don't follow minors, that's no one throws it that much in the majors. I think the, the highest is like 59% or something, or maybe he threw it 59% in his eight starts. And even that was like a ludicrous amount of throwing the fastball, right? Um, the thing is that his fastball, minor league hitters, so it was hard, not articulating this well, it, it was hard to grade his breaking balls in the minor leagues because his fastball was so dominating that anything that he threw that wasn't his fastball, that was off speed, guys were way out in front of, or they just saw go by, right? So when guys are just waving and missing at your curve or your slider, it's going to look good, even if it's, if it's not a good pitch, right? Because major league hitters, this is the whole thing we talked about last year, that major league hitters are going to hit his fastball a little bit better. And, of course, that's what happened, right? His fastball is a dominant pitch. I think it's a double-plus pitch, personally. He can throw it right down the middle and get swings and misses at the major league level. However, you know, that's not going to work all the time, or at least he's not going to dominate. He can dominate for a few innings at a time, maybe, but he's not going to be able to dominate throwing his fastball that much right down the middle, right? Which is why we saw... I don't have it at my fingertips, but the numbers against his fastball are probably deceivingly high. He gave up a, a bunch of home runs this year on the fastball, right? When he came out in spring training last year, he looked great. The off-speed stuff looked great. It looked like he had taken a leap in front of Manning and, and Mize. Uh, when the season started, he kind of looked like he did in the minors, right? It's all about the breaking balls. When he had a good changeup and he had a good curveball, he did great. When he didn't, he did not so great, right? So... Personally, I think they should just move him to the pen, have him just, you know, dominate uh, as a multi-inning reliever. They don't really need that. That probably is not going to happen, for one, because you want to see if he's going to be a starter. You want to kind of max out that possibility first. And two, a uh, 55-win team does not need uh, an Andrew Miller type, right? Like, that's just not something that matters for them. Uh, I think that's where he'll ultimately end up, though. Um, so, I guess I'm not worried about his breaking stuff because I feel like no matter how, what happens, he's going to have a role and he can pitch important innings, right? Mm -hmm. So whether that's as a dominant relief pitcher or that's as, you know, kind of a hit or miss starter, I think, I think that's what the floor is for him. So I, okay. I'm less concerned, right? Okay. Um, but he looked great. And if, and if the breaking pitches are consistent, then you're looking at like kind of a, a really pretty scary top of the rotation beast, right? If he can mm -hmm. actually, um, you know, pull it together. I just don't know if that'll happen because he's going to have to get more consistency out of the curve and the changeup, right? I don't know if he'll, you know, if that'll happen at this point in his development. He's what, 24, 25, 24, I think, right? Yeah, he should be. So, I think he should be entering his age 25 season, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But he's a great guy, and I think he'll be good, and I, I like him a lot. So, No, you're right. He just turned 24 in November. Um, so I, I don't want to spend too much time on any one guy. Let's move along to Casey Mize real quick. So Casey Mize, similar similar to uh, Scooble, made seven starts through 28 and a third innings. 
um, 26 strikeouts, 13 walks, and seven home runs. So the startling number there is 13 walks for Casey Mize, who um, not only was drafted with plus-plus command, but pretty much walked no one in three years at Auburn. Um, so for, for him to not throw strikes consistently was uh, was probably the most startling thing that we'd see. Um, look, I, he was trying to be perfect. He was doing a lot of nibbling. He's a rookie in the major leagues. Um, the fastball command was has been an issue since he came to the professional ranks. It was an issue in college. I mean, you can watch his college games. His fastball would get raked by good SEC teams. He's a guy who lives off a lot of deception and a large assortment of pitches that he can command, and he didn't quite have that at the major league level. So, Trevor, I'll kind of throw that over to you. Are we concerned about Casey Mize, or is this rookie growing pains, and we still expect uh, top-of-the-rotation potential out of him? I'm I'm not too concerned with Mize. Um, it's like you said, he's a rookie pitcher. Uh, he was trying to be perfect. I mean, there, it's not easy. Probably, I mean, I'm guessing this. I don't have this personal experience. It's not easy to be the number one overall pick in the MLB draft and then make your major league debut, right? I mean, there's a lot of hype. I mean, he's been talked about now for for years as like the guy that's going to be at the top of this type of rotation. So all of a sudden he comes up. That's a lot of pressure. And obviously, you know, you want a guy to be able to pitch in pressure. But I, I it seemed like he just overthought it. And, and really, with Scooball, with Mize, with Anybody else I think that we're going to be talking about in terms of pitchers, I'm really excited for what Chris Fetter can do with them. Um, Chris Fetter's not the reason I'm not concerned about Mize, but he's certainly a, a reason for me to be optimistic about the staff as a whole. But for Mize, again, I'm not worried. I think there's enough track record to believe that he'll settle in and figure it out in terms of his command. Um, all right. I, I muted Robert. No, I can't unmute him. <laughs> It doesn't give me the option to unmute him. Can you unmute yourself, Robert? Can you hear me now? There you go. I'm I'm holding my hand. No, I'm holding my hand over my mic, so that should make it better for not hearing me breathing so heavily. Yeah, you you, you sound like you're hitting a joint like every three seconds. I don't smoke weed. I'm just like more. I'm just morbidly obese, and just probably just because I'm walking around. Just so, telling you what it sounds like. Right. Okay. I'll, <laughs> right. I'll mute my. I'll mute myself when I'm not talking. No, so anyways, you're good. So, so yeah, Mize. Uh, I am worried. Uh, it's a weird thing. I feel like during the season, I was a lot higher on him because people were kind of freaking out about him, and I kind of felt like because he had flashes of pitching well, right, where he could command the fastball. And then for some reason during the offseason, I've just totally like kind of soured on him. And I'm not sure why. I think part of it is that at the end of the year on MLB TV, Pedro Martinez did a segment on why Mize is an injury risk that was horrifying. And I still like have nightmares about and see it when I close my eyes. So that's kind of one thing where he just like showed why there was so much pressure on Mize's elbow. Right. Um, That was very scary and kind of feels like he's kind of an injury time bomb. The other thing is that, as we mentioned, his command, Keenan, you mentioned that he has, he kind of struggled with his command. It's always been at least average. The problem is that he was uh, kind of sold as the top pick in the draft because he was supposed to have not only plus command, but double plus command, which is unheard of, like Jamie Moyer or something. I can't even think of a pitcher off the top of my head who Greg Maddox. 
Greg Maddox, right? That's how he was sold, that it doesn't matter that his fastball is not a dominating pitch because he is going to put it in places that aren't going to hurt, hurt you, and then he's going to come in with that splitter and wipe guys out, right? The problem, as we saw, and as we saw in the minors, where guys would just sit on the first good fastball they saw. He tried to stop that by pitching off his cutter, and then he kind of moved away from that when he came back from his injury in double A in 2019. So I guess the, the issue is that it's not, and I think people are misled a little bit by, because his numbers were good in the minor leagues. His first start in the Eastern League in double A, he did throw a no hitter, but his command has not been to where it was ever advertised. So it'd be one thing if he had shown it and then he lost it a little because we knew it was there, but I just don't know if that's there. And if it's not there, then it's going to be a little bit tougher. And then that's before you factor in the injury stuff. So I'm worried about him. He's still a fantastic prospect. I mean, um, but yeah, I, I could understand someone putting uh, Scoobal ahead of him. And it's going to be a pretty big year for him, presuming he stays healthy. I think he might actually start the year in Toledo. Um, so he might not even break camp with the team, depending on healthy Fulmer is. So it'll be something to monitor. He should get heavy reps in MLB no matter what, though. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting. And and if, you know, he if the command isn't what it was advertised as and doesn't develop into that, um, the interesting thing about Mize is he still has enough average or better major league pitches that he can he'll be a rotation piece for the foreseeable future in some capacity, whether that's a two or a four. I don't know, but he's got enough. He's got enough of an arsenal and he can learn how to operate with some experience. He'll be around for a while. Okay. Like I said, I don't want to stick on any one guy too long. We won't stick on this one too long either. Uh, Rony Garcia. Um, Rule five pick had no business being in the major leagues last year through 21 innings in relief, gave up seven homers, um, 14 strikeouts and nine walks from a relief piece. Uh, completely overwhelmed. I was, I mean, he, he had some flashes, right? You can see the arm talent there, but um, it was really just, how do we, how do we roster this guy? And, and having the, the uh, pandemic shortened season makes it easier to hold on to a rule five pick, obviously. But um, Rony Garcia, what are your expectations for Rony Garcia, Trevor? I have absolutely no idea. I mean, you, you nailed it uh, uh, with, it just seemed like he wasn't, shouldn't have been there, you know, but that's the rule five. You take the chance for a guy that you think has some upside. I just don't know, honestly, what the upside might be. I mean, are, are you hoping he turns into a starter? Are you hoping he can become a piece out of the bullpen? It was just, I mean, I guess it's just the fact that you have to watch him go out there at the major league level for a year and, and, the same reason that I'll never actually believe that there are positive parts to Victor Reyes's game, even though there are, and he, you know, he's turned into a, a pretty okay player. Right. So the rule five is just tough sometimes. And, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess the slider looked okay. Sometimes I don't want to just keep droning on saying the same thing. Seriously. He was just like, it was just a rule five pick and i really don't know what to expect moving forward. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I think like, we've already spent, Go on, Keenan. Uh, I, I just I will I want to add on to like what what is the thought process behind taking relievers in Rule Five like a Reed Garrett or a Rony Garcia? Like when you can grab you can grab low leverage relievers um, at any point, any time. Um, are, are you hoping Are you hoping this turns into an elite back end high leverage 
relief piece? Uh, I don't think so, right? That, that can't be the expectation there. So your 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 ceiling is average major league bullpen piece, and to take a guy out of Double A and put him in the majors for a year with with when that's your ceiling, that's your long term prognosis. If everything goes perfectly, seems like a waste of a roster position to me. Go ahead, Robert. Oh yeah, I actually liked him a little bit. Uh, I thought he looked like kind of a same kind of ceiling, but I thought he could be kind of a spot starter type. Uh, he really struggled. I don't think he'll be on the rust the roster much longer. I don't think we have to spend time talking about him. All right, so let's talk about our favorite Kyle Funkhauser. Oh, can I go first? I can I talk about him for a little bit first? By all means. I love Funk. So Funk is a guy who was to to do this very quickly in 2015 he was coming into the 2015 college season he was in the discussion of one of these top 10 picks or even the first overall pick he played in louisville he struggled he ended up dropping to i think 23rd to the dodgers they kind of lowballed him he was still wanted he wanted to sign for overslot he went back to school for a senior season he then fell to the fourth round the 2016 draft so the tigers that was the year where they were missing their second and third pick because of the Zimmerman and Upton signings, right? So they got Manning in the first round, Funkhauser in the fourth. From the word go, uh, my favorite writer in the history of the world, Lynn Henning, was talking about how Funkhauser was such a steal. He was going to be a great starter. He was a top college pitcher in the low minors in West Michigan, putting up huge numbers. He got a lot of hype from the uh, prospect writers at the time. I was still kind of young into my, like, watching my league baseball career and kind of didn't know any better and thought he was going to be a starter. By the time he kind of hit double-A, he had had a bunch of injuries as well, which never helped. By the time he hit double-A, it was clear he was not a starting pitcher at all, uh, which didn't stop Lynn Henning from pumping him and Bo Burrows as possible impact starting pitchers up until, like, last year or something, which is absurd. But anyway, he's finally, finally made the roster as a 26-year-old uh, middle reliever and he had kind of a terrible year statistics-wise, right? The year before 2019, he had a terrible year in the minors statistic-wise. His stuff is not great. His fastball is probably not even a plus pitch at this point. He probably tops out around 95. He doesn't get a ton of movement on it. He doesn't really have a, a great, uh, great breaking pitch, right? Like a, a true wipeout slider. With all of these negatives said, I actually love Funk. I think he can be a solid middle relief pitcher right now. He probably flunks my Buck Farmer test, which is real quick. Buck Farmer is kind of the basic level of a relief pitcher. So the Buck Farmer test, if you're better than Buck Farmer, you can be on a relief staff if you're worse than him not. Right now, Funk probably fails the test. I would still carry him. I think he can be, for one inning, a solid relief pitcher, right? And actually, a lot of his struggles this year was, or this past year, 2020, he'd have one shutdown inning. Garden Hire, who may have been in a coma, I don't know. He was probably asleep who knows, would send him out for a second inning. He'd have some bad luck. He'd get hit hard. So I still think he can be a middle reliever. That's not much, obviously. That's a low ceiling. But I, I, I like Funk, and I root for him. That's it. Okay, someone else talk. Go ahead, Trevor, because I, I, I've gone on a Funkhauser rant so many times. Uh, I want to hear somebody else. I want to hear a different perspective, because I've heard Robert's perspective many times as well. Uh, this is Funk one of the guys we disagree the most about, by the way. Right. Well, I mean, Funkhauser is a guy that I really want to, you know, be good. 
in some way. Um, I, I remember I, I spent time working with the Mud Hens right out of college, and that was the first year he made it to AAA. Um, and actually, right after his debut, I, I you know did an interview and pulled pulled uh, quotes and wrote it up on the on the Mud Hens website. Like, I, he's such a nice guy. I've talked to him a lot. Man, I was really impressed with his first start in AAA. Um, and, and for the life of me, I can't remember what he did, but I, I, I just remember thinking he looked pretty good. And then this next time out, he did not look very good. And then two days later, he was put, uh, his season was over. He was put on the IL um, with a leg injury. Or he broke his ankle, I think, after stepping on an uneven sidewalk in Toledo. And uh, he came back and I just wanted him to be good again. I just, I don't see it with him. I really don't. Um, his ceiling is probably middle relief if that's what he's going to do. But I just I've 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 kind of lost the sight that I had in his in his debut uh, start at AAA since then. So I, I just it's tough for me to see it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think look, hey, I'm dri- I'm driving his bandwagon to the point where Kyle Funkhauser's fucking mother probably sees me on Twitter and is like, why don't you just like lower the expectations, guy, and chill the fuck out? Like that's how much I'm driving his bandwagon, and and I'm saying. He tops out as a middle reliever with no plus pitches when normally you need two plus pitches to be a relief pitcher. So if that's me with the fucking rose colored glasses after just popping fucking ecstasy and you're at a club dancing, everything is fucking blow jobs and lollipops and balloons. Then what is just the objective like uh, look at his stuff, I guess. Right. Like yeah. if that if if that's the best case scenario then the worst case scenario is it's not going to be that good. Right. Our, our potential listening audience just shrunk by like 40% based on that little rant by Robert. <laughs> but, um, I, I have a hard time with Funkhauser because I watched him so much in the minors when they, they kept trying to run him out. There as a starter, which was just so glaringly obvious. He was just not built to do. And I get it. Like all the best relievers are former starters. Right. Um, but Robert, to your point, if if you've got a major league reliever who's not a closer and not an like an eighth inning high leverage guy, and you can't run him out there to get one or two outs for the second inning, what do you really have? Um, not you much. Have, it's you not have much. not much. And 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 I I think the slider flashes wipe out at times. It's just not consistent. It's kind of like how I feel about Matt Manning's curveball. Like when it's good, it's really good. Um, and I, and I think his fastball is maybe even a little better than you're giving it credit for. But he just he's a nibbler. He works behind in counts. He has his entire professional career, and he did the same thing in the major leagues. And I don't have any optimism until I see otherwise. All right, I'm moving on. Bo Burrows. We didn't see much of Bo Burrows. He he pitched five relief appearances. He got roughed up in his debut, and then they he did fine in a couple low leverage situations uh, towards the end of the season. But um, Bo Burrows, man, I, he's lost so much velocity. He he he's kind of a nibbler. He, his his secondaries have never really been consistent. Um, uh, uh, Bo Burrows is on the cusp of being a DFA candidate, first round draft pick. Yeah, I speaking of people that uh, Lynn Henning loved and thought were going to be aces or whatever. Yeah, I mean, look. You just nailed it. The injuries are the real shame, right? Um, that's that's really what what killed him. 
uh, it would have been, if he was still topping out at 97 at points, I think it would still have been difficult to have a starter's profile or even, I guess at a certain point it became clear he was going to be a, you know, the ideal scenario was him as a setup guy, right? Uh, if he was still throwing 97, I think that would still be tough because there is no quality, consistent second pitch. Right now there's not one. Uh, I I don't want to be a dick. I mean, do they have like a Zillow for South Korea for like, cause that's what I would be doing. I would be looking at like apartments in Japan right now. I don't think he's going to, you know, be on the roster at the end of the season. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. And and the problem is there was no physical projection left in the kid when he was drafted. I mean, he's not a big kid. You know, he, he was, he's probably six foot six, one, maybe. And that's what he was coming out of high school. Like he, he didn't, he didn't put on any good. He wasn't a, a tall kid who was going to fill out his body and, and add velocity. Um, he, he is who he, who he was when we drafted him pretty much to Huth, Bo Burrows. Yeah. I, you know, you said on the cusp of being a DFA candidate, I think he just is straight up a DFA candidate at this point. Um, and I don't, he and, and Funk House are just kind of similar mindset to me where it's just, I, I've tried, I want to, but I just can't see it. And look, I'm not, I don't throw people on the DFA bus lightly at all. Like there's all, there's all these, uh, Kristen Stewart DFA advocates out there. I'm like, whoa, was like slow your roll. No, no way. Slow your roll a little bit. Like you, you don't, especially these high draft picks, they get every opportunity. Look, Derek Hill, he's the next one on our list. Derek Hill made his major league debut. Now he had 12 plate appearances. Um, they, they didn't play him at all. I don't know why he was even up there. Um, goes one for 11 strikes out six times. We didn't really get to see any of Derek Hill. I, and I wonder how much of Derek Hill we'll ever see again in the major leagues. Um, he, but people talk about fifth outfielders, which I kind of hate the term fifth outfielder. Fifth outfielder is euphemism for useless baseball player most of the time, unless you have an expanded active roster where, where you're going to carry a fifth outfielder who brings you a, a, a tool like plus defense, double plus defense, and can steal you some bases. Like that, Then it's worth carrying a fifth outfielder. Otherwise, fifth outfielder means you don't belong in the major leagues. So what's Derek Hill? Huth, what's Derek Hill? Uh, walking Trevor's highlight asleep. reel. <laughs> so walking highlight reel. That's what I got for you. I mean, he he uh, he garnered some attention in the second round of spring training, you know, with his, these amazing catches, and they were hyping him up. So it's almost hard for the Tigers not to bring him up at that point. I mean, you still could not bring him up because of the – you know, his performance probably didn't didn't show that he should be. But but, you know, he defensively is amazing and he showed that off. And um, I don't know if we'll ever see him in the majors again, but I do know that he's a lot of fun to watch with the glove on his hand. My, my thing the, the is, the other like, thing is the team. Oh. Uh, I'll, I'm Go just going to I'm going to add this and then it's all yours, Robert. The. There, I just don't know that there's a place in today's Major League Baseball for a highlight reel. Oh, I agree you, with you. You can't, you can't be a one-dimension. You can't only play one side of the field in today's Major League Baseball unless you mash, and that's your only thing. If you mash and you mash only, like you don't even have to bring a glove to the field. That's fine. But if your glove is your carrying tool only and you can't, you can't get on base, um, I don't know that there's a place for you in today's, in today's game. Go ahead, Robert. 
Yeah, I was going to say there, there's not much a role for him. Um, I, I love him. He, he's weirdly one of these guys that the Tigers don't like. There are all these prospects that I like that the Tigers as an organization seem not very high on at all. Jake Rogers is one. Derek Hill's another kind of Daz Cameron. Uh, he's in that group, right? So I, I think he's soon going to be on his way out the door. Um, so, yeah, I, I did want to say I do want to talk about I know that we're going to hit Paredes. I think we should talk about Paredes and some of the camp battles because mm-hmm. at, at first it looked like Paredes, who debuted last year, it was kind of underwhelming, but he had some big moments. He had a hit streak. He had that massive grand slam in Cleveland for the game winner. Um, there's been a lot of talk about his position, what position he's going to play this year, right? And the Tigers, it was unclear at the end of the year after uh, C.J. Crone got hurt, Jamer was moved from third base to third to first, which opened up third for Paredes. Uh, we weren't sure if they were going to go back into this season that way again. Now it looks like Jamer's going to play third because Paredes does not, uh, even at best, project as like a, a really a, a 30 home run hitter. People want him to move to second, but then the team ended up signing Jonathan uh, Scope. So where, where do we see Paredes this year? And uh, what do we think he's going to do? Wow. Um, there's a lot there. And I did not understand the scope signing at all. Um, and I think most of these free agent signings that the Tigers have had this offseason have been scope. It's like a duplicate of, of, of the scope crone signings. In Romine, right? It's it's Wilson Ramos, Robbie Grossman, Nomar Mazzara. Like we get excited because these are upgrades over the piece of shit team we've been looking at. But these are value free agents. Nunez on a minor league deal. Um, we're like, oh, massive power potential, but it's a minor league deal for a reason. I mean, so these are you're going to get production. You're going to get some decent production out of one or two of these guys who are going to exceed expectations, but they're not building blocks. It's not a collection of building blocks for the future. So if Jonathan Scobes being brought in to play second base, which I don't know, it sounds like maybe he's being brought in to play wherever, then taking at bats away from someone like Jamer, Isaac Paredes, Willie Castro, if they think any or all of those guys are, or Nico, I mean, Nico is getting lost in all of this too. Had a shitty year, but is it, I don't know what the plan is. Again, it's such a weird thing because the Tigers think exactly opposite that I think, right? So when me and you were watching Keenan, like even a couple of years ago, like we love Turnbull, uh, the Tigers had no plans for him, and I think gave Matt Hall a spot start while Turnbull was still in the bullpen. Uh, we we always liked Rogers, and we always liked Daz. The the team doesn't have plans for them. Even now, I actually don't know how you – you actually like Willie a little bit. Um, but no, not really. But no, I, I prefer – I don't like Willie. I have a whole thing I want to talk about Willie in a little bit. But we both love Paredes. And we kind of like Nico as well. The team doesn't seem to have anything in their plans. I think Nico is kind of more as a utility guy. I would have rather had him at shortstop and tried Willie at second. This is kind of more of a bench bat thing. But the team does not seem to be interested in Paredes. I don't know. They see something different than us, I guess. they, For one, they think he's like morbidly obese or something. I think he looks fine. <laughs> I don't kind of get that. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, Maybe 
I'm tired of fighting that battle about his, <laughs> his weight and his athleticism. Like, I'm tired of fighting that battle. People are just uh, obsessed with the idea that he's a slob and can't move. And it's just – watch, him play. The, watch him play the infield. He can play anywhere on the dirt. I mean, he's he's competent anywhere on the dirt. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a major league shortstop. He can play anywhere on the dirt. And I'll, and I'll throw this over to you, Huth, real quick. Alavila's comments this past week about bringing all these guys in were about he's trying to create competition for the young guys. So maybe he's thinking some of these guys are feeling a little entitled, that these are their jobs, and now he's bringing in these veteran free agents, albeit $1.75 million deals, not bringing in heavy-duty free agents. But like, hey, you got to earn this position, Kristen Stewart. You want to play left field for the Detroit Tigers? you got to beat out guys like Nomar Mazzara and Robbie Grossman. Let's go. Yeah, uh, I just want to say that with these value contracts, just for you, Keenan, um, you can flip them at the deadline. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I, 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 whenever I hear A.J. Hinch talk about this team or, or when Avila says that uh, – they want to create competition in my head. All I can hear is that we've given AJ Hinch a puzzle and the puzzle of course being, here's a bunch of guys figure out what the heck to do with them. And, and I don't necessarily hate that. I mean, you know, I don't have much hope for some of these value free agent signings. I mean, they are, they are who they are. They aren't the guys that they're signing to, to make the playoffs or the guys that they're signing to make the fans not, you know, just choose Toledo because you're getting the same level of baseball. You know what I mean? Um, so I just, I love the idea of, of bringing in AJ Hinch now as your manager and then giving him a puzzle of guys who, you know, you can throw together in different ways. And, and I'm, I think it just might, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what to think of this team. I don't know what their direction is, but I, I love that idea of just throwing all these players a Hinch and saying, you can put them around the infield, you know, the spots, just, just see what you can do with this. Right, right. And, and and Robert, I'll kick this over to you in a second. Let me just add this. And we've kind of said this at the beginning of each of the last three seasons since, right, all right, there's, we're not all, we don't have consensus on what year the rebuild we're in, right? Depends who you talk to. But since, since I started doing all this nonsense before the 2018 season, we always found reasons for optimism or like intriguing storylines when it comes to young players to watch during the season. This year, is just like it, it's kind of like saying Miggy's in the best shape of his life, right? Like we go through this process every spring where uh, there, we have all these interesting storylines to look forward to. But I will say the one thing that makes this year a little bit more unique is the addition of AJ Hinch and Fetter and Coolbaugh. All right, so what does what does Fetter do with Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize or Kyle Funkhauser? Or what does Coolbaugh do when when he gets a hold of Derek Hill in the batting cage? Maybe Derek Hill can can actually hit, and we've just not been giving him the right instruction since he's been drafted in 2014. And the Tigers wait until now to actually put progressive player development people on staff. All right, Robert, that's enough for me. I'm getting I'm getting fired up over here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to rain on everyone's parade with it, but I don't know. I mean, I I have friends uh, in other not. You know, I know people in other organizations uh, that are more forward thinking. And the thing that they talk about is that everyone is on the same page. Um, Everyone is pulling in one direction. Right. So the Tigers historically do not value the same kinds of things these organizations value. And when we talk about Willie, I have a whole breakdown. I'll I'll do what I am more specific about this. So, yeah, these hires are great. I think Hinch is great and Fetter is great. And 
you know, even a year before, we didn't really see it. But even going into the 2020 season, they hired a bunch of different coordinators who had great reputations, who I would hear from people around the game were great, right? And I don't even have a ton of sources or anything. So, you know, I mean, I don't want to say don't be excited because I think they're all good hires. I just don't know how it works to where you have people at the top with one idea about how things should be and what they value and people at the bottom and then people working with the players have a different idea. I just don't know how that's going to play out. So I guess we'll see, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's a good, I don't, I certainly don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, it's a good thing that they hired them. I just, it, it, it's just not enough for me to really have faith in the org as a whole, but I, I'm certainly excited to see what happens this season. Mm -hmm. um, and I lost my train of thought there for a second. I wanted to go somewhere next with this. One of the more intriguing things heading into this season is we have a whole laundry list of guys who are considered prospects, and every reputable site on the planet's out there ranking said prospects. The vast majority of them we have not seen in a very, very long time, or we've never seen against professional pitching professional hitters it's interesting to try to evaluate what has happened to a guy like bryant packard or a guy like ulrich boyarski or parker meadows um who knows what these guys are going to show up at the ballpark looking like because when you're 19 20 21 a year is a very long time in your development and uh i it's interesting to try to project where these get what level they're going to start off at. Um, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of blown away by that. And, and and the guys that we haven't even talked about, um, Joey Wentz coming off Tommy John surgery, lefty with a changeup, my guy, Alex Fiedo. How about Alex Fiedo? Is 25 years old, first round draft pick, 2017, needs Tommy John surgery, so he's. He's not going to make his major league debut until probably he's 27 years old, right? And but at least we have all those years of player control, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, look, Fado's gone for two years. I've always been the the low man on him anyway, right? I, I mean, I'm remarkably lower than I think anyone else I've talked to about him. Other people like him a lot. I think at best he's a middle reliever. I thought that before the injury, although last spring training in the two innings he pitched, he looked slightly better. I know Trevor was looking at him the other day. Um, but yeah, I think that he's going to be on the shelf for, you know, a little bit and we'll just see what happens when he comes back. It's unfortunate. You know, it is unfortunate. I mean, I think what you keyed on though, it, it, it will be exciting this year. I think Packard who finished 2019 with a cup of coffee in high a Lakeland, uh, that has been switched now to West Michigan. West Michigan, the Whitecaps and uh, the Flying Tigers switched affiliates, right? So West Michigan is now high A and uh, the Flying Tigers are now low A. So he might ironically end up back at West Michigan. I think there's an outside chance that he'll start at Erie. Um, we, we know Packard a little bit personally. He's a baseball fanatic. He's in the best shape of his life. I know Trevor likes him a lot. He, I think, is a super safe prospect he's going to hit. I think it'll be exciting seeing the rest of the rookies. They drafted a ton of – they drafted nothing but bats this year. And I think Torkelson um, and the rest of the guys they drafted this year will probably start in uh, Lakeland. 
in uh, low A. Even though Torkelson, you can make it, I mean, you can make a case for Torkelson starting in Erie, but just because of the circumstances and I think how he looked last year in spring training, I think they might want to keep him in Lakeland because that's where the complex league is, at least for the first few weeks. And and the rookies are always intriguing. The rookies are all, the, the draft picks, the draftees are always intriguing. What's most intriguing to me heading into this year is the other guys, the Eliezer Alfonso's. Um, like, like somebody's going to come back and is going to have grown three inches and put on 30 pounds of muscle and just start mashing. Like who, I don't know who that is. It's not going to be Cody Clemens. Cause he's, he's, he's about to turn 25, but like, what's Cody, like, what has Cody Clemens been doing for the last year? Is he better? Or some of these guys just have been slobs and don't even want to play baseball anymore. I don't know. Um, it's, it's an intriguing thing to watch. They came out, West Michigan came out with the minor league schedule today, opening on May 4th. Like I'm excited to see who's going to be in West Michigan. How are, how do you going to, how do they even evaluate and place some of these guys at, at levels, certain levels? Cause they can't even start really looking at them. They can't put them in Lakeland until the pro camp, the, the, the major league camp vacates. Um, so how are they evaluating Kingston Lineak, Andre Lipschitz? Um, like so Trevor, I want to hear Trevor, who are we know Packard, but who are like two guys you think that we should look for who are who are gonna be in, you know, Lakeland or West Michigan this year? Just two interesting guys you're looking for. They may not be the um, best prospects, but just two guys you're interested to see for whatever reason. Don't say Joey yeah, Morgan. I'm not gonna say Joey Morgan. Also, I mean they they do have some information from instructs. I mean I mean they they did have that, so there's at least on some of these guys, right? Unless I'm completely Yeah, the mistaken. team isn't going in blind. As yeah. fans, we're going in blind. Yeah. The team isn't going so, in blind, though. One guy that I'm just going to keep ringing this bell as the only person ever to ring this bell, um, and I might, I'm just going to go down with the ship, is, is Hugh Smith. I cannot quit Hugh Smith. Um, he's the, uh, you know, he was drafted a couple years ago, like sixth round out of Division Three, and uh, he's 6'10", and that's not really why I'm into him, but also, like, it doesn't hurt. Um, I, I like, I, I just, I've watched every single one of his starts multiple times from 2019 and I just can't not see something there. I know his, his Velo was not where you want it to be, uh, during that season. I'm hoping that, you know, he comes back, fills out a bit, gets a Velo jump and, um, I like the slider and I, I don't know. I just, I want there to be something there really badly. But, uh, um, so Hugh Smith is one of my guys and he's definitely like down low Do on everybody's he- list. Do you think he need? I think he needs to uh, tweak his delivery because, and this could be the angles when you watch on MLB TV. It's not. Uh, it's, it's not, not a the good, angle. It, but he throws <laughs> no. like he doesn't. He doesn't throw like he's six ten, right? He doesn't get much plane on on the ball. He he doesn't really throw downhill. He almost has this kind of funky delivery where he looks like he's his release point is a lot uh, lower than you'd think. You'd think he would kind of bear down on guys and really try to get that good plane and eat them up. He doesn't do that. He he re, he really kind of uh, God, it, it almost crouches down. Did you notice that? And I feel like yeah. he, he would get more velo if he really tried to get more extension on the pitches. He doesn't get a ton of extension though. Yeah, I, I was gonna I mean, say I was gonna say it's a little like Fiedo when when we talked about how he was exactly. doing crouching down. Exactly. That's the first thing that came to mind. Sorry, Trevor. Go ahead. Yeah. No. And, and I, you know, my my whole thing here, especially with arm slot, is that remember he was not always six ten. He was like five uh eight, i don't want to say five eight five nine but he might have been like five ten going into college and then he hit this growth spurt at, at whitworth i think it was that made him mm-hmm. you know into hugh smith so 
those mechanics, like the you know his arm slot being lower, it helps his fastball get a little bit of movement. Obviously, just because of the natural way the ball's going to spin uh, when you release it there. But but I, that's, I mean, I have to imagine that's why he doesn't throw more downhill. It's really interesting. Like I said, I just I think there's something there. I don't I don't think anybody should bet on something being there, but I just can't not see it. So he's certainly one of those guys. Um, another guy, uh, man, I I want to I mean. Just if I can go with a recent draftee, Gage Workman is just the most interesting case, I think, um, because one, I know he was a third baseman at uh, Arizona State, but I think he's the shortstop. Uh, I think you know everybody talks about the Tigers needing a shortstop in the draft, which you know you don't draft for need, but I think he's the shortstop everybody was talking about. Um, I know Trey Cruz technically shortstop. I see him more as a second baseman, but Workman's a guy who who's uh, just. And you never want to bet on hit tools, but if his hit tool moves up a little bit, like his bats, it could explode, I think. Um, so Workman's another one of those interesting guys to me. What, what about you, Keenan? Who are two guys, just two, anyone? Uh, I, I mean, I, I've got so many that are intriguing to me. Nick Quintana is intriguing to me. Sam McMillan's always intriguing to me. Um, Jack O'Laughlin is, is about to turn 21 years old. Like, Jumping from twenty to twenty-one. How's Jack O'Laughlin look these days? Um, I, I mean, I, I could go on. Cater Montero. Cater um, Montero's a pitcher. He he was getting. It's kind of interesting. Two years ago, Carlos Guzman was getting kind of like this hype. I think Baseball America or one of those lists put him in the top ten, and people were like, "Oh, who's that?" He was a young guy who was converted. I think third baseman. So he was new to pitching. He he threw kind of in the nineties, kind of hard. He had a great changeup. Then he came out to West Michigan. He had like three starts and then missed. The, he had three starts. He looked terrible. Then he missed the whole year. So now he's like off the list. And Cater Montero, Cater Montero is kind of like taking his place. It's like the interesting, you know, high ceiling uh, pitcher coming out of the the complex league into low A this year. Took Carlos Guzman's place. Is that who you're referring to? Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Carlos Guzman. That's interesting. Um. Uh, of course, like I'm a junkie for all this low-level minor stuff, so it's all very interesting having not seen it for a year. Um, what else were we going to talk about? Oh, I, I actually know I... wanted to get to. Oh no, you go first, Keenan. I I just have one last thing. Um, Alex Lang, Alex Lang added to the forty man, kind of a bit of a surprise to me to protect him from Rule Five. Um, is that how you say his name, Lang? I say it, Lang. L-A-N-G-E. Alex Lang. Yeah, I thought so. Um, what, do, what do the Tigers see that we haven't seen <laughs> in terms of feeling feeling like they need to protect I mean, you're talking about the him. team that traded for Nolan Blackwood and Logan Shore and Grayson Long in three separate deals. So, I mean, when you ask what they see that I don't see, it must be a lot. Like they're in like imagination land as far as I'm concerned when it comes to soft tossing. Well, yeah, I mean, that's fair. And they and they parked Sergio Alcantara on the 40 man roster just to blow up all three of his option years and then give him like give him like six at bats and then DFA him. Um, You know what? Actually, they should have done with Alcantara and they would have never done this. No team would. And I don't even know if it's possible. I don't even think this is possible. I would have signed him to like a two million dollar contract to be a minor league player and be like look we we want to build up the pitching staff in the minors we're just going to have you and cole peterson play in the middle of the field 
wherever our best pitchers are, and you're just going to kick fucking ass on defense, and that's it. You're never going to make MLB, sorry, dude, but, like, you're just going to be a great player, and you're going to make seven figures. That's what I would have done with him, because he is just a beautiful, beautiful fielder. That That's not a bad—I mean, I, I, I know you're being facetious, but I—, I... I'm being I'd, serious. I would have done that. I know it seems <laughs> ridiculous, but I literally would have paid him and just had him do that. I, I believe in the value of org soldiers and particularly guys who have a couple of elite carrying tools, specifically guys who can play shortstop. And um, But I don't know if you heard this either, um, but we've had five guys get DFA'd and claimed off waivers. So um, things are heading in talent. the right direction. Things are heading in the right direction. All right, so Huth, I'm sorry, Huth. What were you? Alex Lang, come on, give me some. Uh, yeah, I don't really know either. Um, and he was, other than he came over in the Nick Castellanos trade, and and you know, Paul Rashan isn't really going to give you much. I mean, they seem like very similar pitchers in a lot of ways to me, and I don't, I don't really know what either one is going to provide um i know lang lang's a former pretty high draft pick um so he was a cubs first round pick during yeah. that era where they where they were i used to i used to do this thing where i would make fun of like i would talk about the tigers drafting how i didn't like it and then i would say well the cubs did something similar where they would take all these bad college pitchers and then the tigers literally traded for two of them so well, that now, the joke was on me, I guess. But now it seems like the Cubs have a billion former Tigers on their on their roster. Is that just me? It seems like any most of the time, like for a while, they, they had like a Ducey used to be and Machado yeah. in Iowa. For, a, for they were like the Bash Brothers in <laughs> in the Pacific Coast League. Like Aduce was raking, and Machado and, had that crazy year. He hit like seventeen home runs or something in like fifty games or something ludicrous like that. And they were the ones who claimed Sergio off of uh, waivers, and then. Yeah released him 10 days later but okay but yeah so with Rashawn I mean I think with Rashawn I think he's got a chance to start because of of command with Lang I don't know that he has the same command I think he's got to be a reliever but I don't think he's got the pitches to be a reliever at least as of right now so uh with all these guys it's just going to be interesting to see how they come back maybe Lang learned something at the uh at the alternate site that we haven't been able to see him put into place yet and maybe he's taken a huge step forward I mean I, we can only hope that's the case yeah, and they—I mean, the, the Tigers—the Tigers announced that he's when they acquired him that he's a reliever now, and he's yeah. he pitched in a relief capacity with Erie, and you know the numbers are pedestrian, but um, yeah, maybe there may there there's something that they see there that they feel maybe other teams would have coveted in Rule Five, and they felt the need to protect him. So uh, I think that's something interesting to watch with him this year. Uh, Toledo will start on time in April. Uh, I suspect he'll be there. Uh, Matt Manning. We haven't talked about Matt Manning. I mentioned his inconsistent curveball, but Al, Al came out this week and said uh, we should most likely see Matt Manning at some point this year. We think that's that's the gist <laughs> of what he said. <laughs> Maybe, possibly, the Al Avila story. Um, like no one, no one loves to hedge more than Avila. My God. Yeah, but uh, and Matt Manning's kind of like the forgotten guy. Um, but still a dude, still a dude with a ton of athleticism and, um, potential for front of the rotation. I mean, that's the ceiling, still the ceiling. I, I, I'm not that I'm not the Manning guy. Brandon's the Manning guy. 
Garash is the Manning guy and, and I respect them because they know a lot more about pitching than I do, but I, I don't see Manning having three pitches until they teach Manning how to throw a freaking cutter. <laughs> Cause it's just so glaringly obvious to me that that's the pitch he needs. Right. Um, it's because he, the curveball isn't a chase pitch. He can throw it in the zone and it's, and it's great. But it's not a. He needs like a chase pitch that can miss at bats. Remember, we talked about this on a podcast. And two days later, Anthony Fennick, rest in peace, published it literally like in the paper as an article. Like Manning needs this thing. These two assholes talked about on the podcast yesterday. He didn't actually cite us. He cited some scout. Uh, what do you think, Trevor? I've actually personally gone backwards on Manning. There's no reason for it. It's just the layoff and the injury. And I'm very cognizant of time passing. Right. So like. Like, I, I felt like this with Fulmer, and I feel like this a lot with Franklin Perez, where people will look at look at the ability, and they'll say, hey, look, there, there's a, a really good starter here. But the more time passes and it doesn't happen, for me, that's a really kind of a red flag. And I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm correct in thinking that. That's just how I feel. So not being able to see Manning at all last year really kind of cooled me on him, even though... Uh, and he did have another injury. I don't think he's ever really thrown a full season. But but all the pieces are still there. So so how do you feel about him, Trevor? Well, Franklin Perez is a different story in my mind for a right. lot no, of— Right, no, at 100 percent. Right, no, For no, ridiculous amounts of injury reasons, yeah. No, but— They're uh, not similar at all. Yeah, but Perez. in terms of time passing with Perez, I mean, it's just his—all is all those, you know, it's a lot of unfortunate stuff for him. For Manning, I'm also a Manning guy. I really like Matt Manning. Um, I'm still— I know that that it was. I can't remember who tweeted out. Somebody tweeted out. Might have been McCoskey tweeted out that you know he's made some changes, right? Uh, I think it was his arm angle change. It's, it's opening up to a new breaking ball. All that's fine and dandy. I, you know, I, I want to see it before I make any assumption on it, and I want to see it before I even you know truly believe it exists. Um, but with Manning, I was worried because he was it was like forearm tightness or something that, that, that shut him down last year at the end of the alternate site before it was over. So I was worried about his, his arm. I took it as good news that he's throwing full bullpen. So all I can hope for is health, but I'm, I'm certainly still a Manning guy. I think I, I really love what Manning could become um, as is based on what I can watch in, in 2019. So that's kind of where I'm at with Manning. Is just, I just want to. If you see had to take one of the did. three, who would you take? If you if gun to your head, you you have you can only have one: Manning, Scooble, or Mice. Which one would you take? Uh, I'll tell you what. Before we saw Scooble in the majors last year, I would have said Manning, but I'm just going to go with Scooble right now because of the adjustments that I saw. Like the the talent's there for all three of them, but like you, there were clearly you could see adjustments from Scooble attempting to get better. And I just love that in a player. So I'm going to go Scooble. Keenan. I feel like we've gone through this exercise before and I don't remember what I said. Um, I, I'm probably taking Mize. It, it, it's this, it's the safest, weakest choice, but I, it, it, he's the most certain to me to be in the major leagues 10 years from now. Yeah. You? Yeah. That's a great choice. I don't know. Probably Scooble. Just, I feel like he's the safest right now. I think you're right about safest in the future, but Scooble feels like a guy that I know I can throw him in 
and get out in some capacity this second. So I probably choose him. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think, you know, they're all great prospects. Yeah, I agree. What else do you want to cover? So I wanted to cover, so I wanted to talk about, you know, uh, we talked about Paredes a little bit and I, I want to talk about him and Willie Castro. And I, I have this thing. I want to hear Trevor's thoughts first. I thought Paredes was going to get the chance to start at third base this year. And he still might, right? The Tigers only signed Renato Nunez uh, to a minor league deal. They might come out of spring training feeling that they're, they're better with Paredes at third and uh, Jamer at first. I really wanted them to, to bring back Crone or just sign another first ba- third baseman, have uh, Jamer at third and Paredes at second, right? Uh, and then I want Paredes and Willie kind of both to get times at second. Uh, it looks like Paredes is kind of the odd man out right now. Uh, and they gave Willie Castro the shortstop position. Uh, he had the excellent year last year. He had something like a 980 OPS. Um, how do you guys feel about Willie Castro at shortstop? I want and Paredes. I want to hear Trevor first, and then Keenan, and then I want to do a little break it down with some of the research I did. So, Trevor, how do you feel about Paredes and Castro? Which one do you like more, and how do you feel about Castro at short? Uh, well, just as his current, uh, you know, information I have, I like Paredes more. Um, but also, I I just. I don't know why I just innately am going to trust this, but I just love what, what Hinch has been saying about Willie Castro. So that has me excited for Willie Castro at short. Now, again, I, I do like Paredes more, and I I want him to get a shot because I, I just love watching him hit. I mean, it always it seems like more often than not, he's putting together a pretty professional-looking at bat in, in every sense of the term, and um, his contact rates in the minors were just ridiculous. And... There's so much to like about him, but you know the the I think the power is still needs to come around a bit more, and and I know everybody's worried about his his size. I I don't really get it. I mean he he's got the instincts and he can play um he can play third base or he can play second base. I, I don't really worry about where he could play defensively. I just want to see his bat in the lineup because I want to see how it you know how it develops given given a chance. I know he got a chance, but you know, in a non COVID year, I want to see a non COVID year chance. I want to see what his bat does. And he was only 21 last year. I mean, which for the tigers, the tigers normally wait till someone is about 29 to bring them up and give them reps for the first time. So this was very young. Uh, What do you think? Keenan? Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Trevor. What do you think about Willie at short? Uh, I, I just, it's the same as I said earlier. I, I, uh, I'm excited just because of how Hinch is talking about it. It's not that he's talking about him. It's just some of the things he's saying has me excited. So uh, I, I got to see Willie Castro a little bit, too, because uh, they made that trade in 2018. So he, he would have been in Toledo uh, with me for a couple weeks. And I remember him uh, just hitting really well in the postseason when the Mud, the Mud Hens made a postseason run that year. And uh, So that kind of had me high on him, and then I actually watched him more once I learned a little bit more about, you know, prospects and stuff and I, I was kind of lowered on him. And, but again, the way Hinch is talking about him, I'm pretty excited to see what happens. Keenan, what, what say you about Paredes and Castro at short? Um, well, I, I mean, I know what baseball reference says about Isaac Paredes's age, but 
Isaac Paredes, I think, has children who will be eligible to be international free agents this summer. Um, that's supposed to be a joke. You guys are supposed to laugh at that. Isaac's. I don't. Isaac's, yeah, I don't know. What, Isaac's old. old? Isaac's like he's an old soul. Because Isaac's what old. Is it? No, we we joke about that a lot about how, how old Isaac is. Uh, I'm not sure he's really 22 years old, but um, uh, here here's the reality because I love Jamer. And I love Isaac. I like Willie Castro too. It, the, uh, he's he he's been kind of a butcher at shortstop in Toledo and in Detroit. And kind of the biggest knock on him coming over from the Indians was his um, plate discipline. He, he was a forty-five prospect for a reason, um, but it, it was kind of it was kind of a reversal. Uh, he was crushing the ball. Um, very high bat hit, but like I get it, bat hit aided stats, but and he and his and his glove wasn't there. We no people weren't really concerned about his ability to play shortstop, and it's just been quite the opposite. However, when you look at Isaac, Willie, Jamer, Nico, do we have enough? Is there enough thump? I mean, there's not enough thump. The answer is no, there's not enough thump. I love Jamer. I want Jamer at third base. I think Jamer's an exceptional third baseman. Brandon disagrees with me. Brandon says Jamer's a, a solid third baseman. I think he's an above average defensive third baseman, but Jamer's not going to hit you 30 home runs either. Isaac's not going to hit you 30 home runs. Isaac might hit you 30 home runs someday, one year, but he's not going to be a perennial 30 home run guy. Neither is Willie. I mean, Willie, even if Willie, even if Willie has BAPIP aided luck for the rest of his career. Like he's not, he's not a thumper. So you can't have all of these guys across your infield and nobody hitting the ball with any power, with any plus power, with any significant power. So some of these decisions. Power's been a big problem. Yeah. Power's been a big issue with the Tigers. Yeah. During the era. uh, You know, I do. I, I, I hate to see Jamer move to first base because I just love watching him play third. I mean, he's not Brooks Robinson, but he's really good. Um, and his bat doesn't profile at first as well. Like Willie, you can get a guy like Crone who hits, you know, and does the same kind of stats as Jamer. Although I realize Jamer had an, kind of an amazing year last year. Um, he'll come back to earth a little bit. Uh, but the stats, Jamer at third base is really a, a good player. At first, the defense takes a, a slip and the bat isn't really uh, amazing at first base, right? It's more average. Uh, right, right. I mean, he'll get better defensively at first base if he plays there all the time, but now they want Miggy playing there two, three times a week, allegedly. Renato Nunez is uh, probably going to make the team. Um, so I don't I don't know what the yeah, plans but, are with these guys. But you need you need uh, Candelario to be comfortable at, at uh, first base because Spencer Torkelson is a third baseman. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> And then, but then, but then here we, here we are, we got Jonathan Scope and Nico Goodrum's left out here. I mean, yeah, I think it's fine to leave, leave Nico out. I mean, I would have preferred between him and Willie, I would have preferred him at short because I like Nico's defense there. Right. Exactly. But, uh, but, but Willie Castro's 24 years old. I mean, Willie Castro is really young still. He is. I, so let me do, let me talk about Willie real quick. So the fans are excited about him. And I think today Woj did a story about the four franchises. Uh, Bob Woj, uh, I don't even know how to say his name. He's just Woj. He's a longtime Detroit sports writer, radio host. 
and just today he did a big piece about how all four franchises are bad. And he kind of mentioned in passing, you know, he was talking about hope for the future. And he just mentioned for the Tigers, for the building blocks, you know, he mentioned uh, Castro as an X factor because uh, of glimpses last year, right? So, uh, Keenan, you had mentioned that Willie last year had, well, first I want to talk about the defense. When, when Willie came over, he was supposed to be kind of a defense first guy who had pop and could hit for power. Uh, since the time he's come over from the Indians or from the tribe in the, uh, um, Leonis Martin. Thank you. Leonis Martin trade. He's been an absolute butcher last year. He was, I think the worst shortstop in major league baseball, although obviously it was the crazy COVID year, but he struggled. It, he struggled in the minors as well. Now we were, did a big thing on Twitter the other day. We we're talking with Chris Brown and I think Roger about this, it, all the tools are there for Willie. He has a strong arm. He has range, but he has made a ton of errors. Chris is keyed in on his throwing errors. He definitely has some sort of mental issue where he just, his arm is too strong and he just throws it away. Uh, I think Chris was also underselling the fact that he's also positions himself very poorly. He's okay kind of going to his right or left, but when he has to kind of just set himself in front of the, the ball, balls hit more right at him. I think he really struggles to get positioned well. And it's led to a lot of fielding errors and a lot of throwing errors to the point where in a short amount of time last year, and in fact, let me pull it up right now. Um, he only played something like 30 games or uh, he played 27 games at shortstop last year and his defensive run saved was minus seven. That is just, I mean, that's unplayably bad, right? If you were to put that across season, like, Think of zero as being average. So minus seven, I think, was easily the worst shortstop in baseball. So let's talk about his power. And I'm going to compare him to another player in one second. So, or his bat. Keenan, you mentioned that he had kind of a BAPIP, which means batting average on balls in play, fueled um, success last year. So normally an average BAPIP is around 300. So that means that the balls that people hit that are in play that are not home runs that's going to be their batting average on it, right? A guy who is a heavy contact guy might have it a little bit more. So Victor Reyes is normally around like 330 or something. Willie's last year was 448. So when people say he had, you know, BAPIP infused luck, like that is, that is not true. Like it was luck. It's not repeatable. There is no possible way it's going to be 448 again. I mean, you look up at guys like Ichiro, and for their career, they were at like 340 or something. So that's coming way, way down. Now, I kind of like Willie because he does square it up. But I'm going to first tell a, a very quick story when I talk about how he is offensively. Recently, I was talking to someone who works in international development for the Devil, for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, last week, they traded Ronaldo Hernandez, a catcher who was in the low minors, uh, in 2018, in low A, which is an extreme pitcher's league, he hit 21 home runs. Uh, in 2019, in high A, again, an extreme pitcher's league, he had a WRC plus of 104. 100 is average. The year before, his WRC plus was 133. He was a bat-first catcher who was a lefty who had good, good power. Uh, last week, Tampa Bay traded him for two middle reliever-type pitchers from Boston, I was talking to my friend from the Tampa Bay system and I asked him why he says that he had known Ronaldo Hernandez was going to be gone for a while because 
he does not do things the organization likes. And by organization, he meant the race. I was interested because I've always liked Hernandez. He always gets hits. hits. I asked him what he meant. He said Hernandez has power, but it's just to the pull field. He does not draw walks. He only had a 297 on base percentage last year or in 2019. Uh, Although he does have great contact, he doesn't make a ton of great contact, which basically means outside of the home runs, that's it. There's not a lot of doubles per se, right? Um, And that he doesn't have good plate discipline and he doesn't make good swing decisions. And then he said, coupled with all that, he doesn't play good defense. Tampa Bay right now, they in the trade for um, Blake Snell, they got Blake Hunt, a, uh, um, uh, a good catching prospect back. But uh, they had kind of an opening at catcher this year. They let Hernandez go because they didn't even want him in the system. A guy who has legit tools, who's been a good well above average hitter in the minors with power because he doesn't make a ton of hard contact. He doesn't make good decisions. He's not good defensively and he doesn't have good plate discipline draws walks. That is when he was telling me that profile, that is exactly Willie Castro's profile. Last year, Willie Castro hit a bunch of home runs and he does square the ball up. When you look at the amount of times he barrels it, he barrels it uh, a good amount of time. Unlike Victor Reyes, who almost never barrels it. The problem is that when he's not barreling it, Willie Castro rarely hits the ball hard. So there's not, although there is hard contact, there's not a lot of hard contact. He doesn't draw walks. He doesn't make good swing decisions. And as we've talked about, his defense has really struggled. I went through and actually did some math for once, which is rare for me. If you took Willie's numbers over the course of his career and adjusted them to where he had, instead of a 450 BAPIP, he had a BAPIP, so a batting average and balls in play of 325. So now 300 is average. So let's assume he's above average and has a 325 BAPIP. So that would be very good over the course of 600 plate appearances. Suddenly, his slugging falls from close to 600 to 409. His on-base falls about 100 points to 292. So his OPS would be 701. Even going by this, by the amount of home runs he hit last year, which was a career high that he never equaled in the minors, if you went by the same rate, he would have seven home, 17 home runs, 31 walks, and 173 strikeouts. He would have 48 extra base hits total. That's over 600 plate appearances. So what do you have left? You have a guy who was the worst defensive shortstop in baseball, and then he'll also have a... 700 OPS. That's if he's lucky over the course of 600 at-bats. Not if he's just average, if he's if he has good luck on balls in play and continues to hit home runs at an exaggerated rate. Does that to me that is not a that is not a player worth starting and what I find shocking is that the Tigers, you know, we talk a lot about the profiles. The Tampa Bay Rays, probably the premier organization in Major League Baseball when it comes to development, they got rid of a guy with this profile because they didn't want him in the org. The Tigers give a guy with this profile the starting shortstop job. I think that kind of says everything you need to know about how the two organizations are different. And, and what disappoints me is that the Tigers know that a 450 batting average in balls in play is impossible to replicate over the course of a full season. They know it. So why are they giving him this position? It's almost like they're trying to trick the fans. Does that make sense? So 
This is going to sound right. like it's harsh. I think Willie has a spot on a team. I just don't think that spot is starting shortstop. Now, everyone else talk. Because that was way too long. Because that was way too long. Uh, well, I mean, you were feeling it, and I didn't. I didn't want to get in the way of it. Um, but I got two things. I got two things. Number one, um, you just made some some true baseball purists' heads explode, because essentially what you said was, if his if his if his actual production wasn't so good, it would have looked like this. <laughs> like, here's. No, what I, adjusted what, no for, what, I adjusted for ball and play luck. No, no, no. Because no. there's no – how many people have had a 450 batting average listen, in play over the course of 600 at-bats? When has that ever me. happened? It happened in 2020. Willie Castro did it in 140 plays. Over appearances. 600 at-bats. Not over right, – 140, okay. not 600. Okay. When does it happen over 600? That's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, right, right. But what I'm saying is what he did was hit 349 in a 932 OPS in 140 plate appearances. And if you don't subscribe to all this, all this, all these advanced metrics that you're talking about, people think you're nuts right now. First of all, secondly, what was secondly? I had I had a point here. Oh, I wanted you to explain something because I I knew what you were talking about, but in it, and I still had to double take myself. So you said, you said, is Trevor still here? By the way, is he gone? He's here. I think he's here. You said, um, aside from when he barrels the ball, there's not a lot of hard contact. Can you? I just want you to explain that real quick because it took me a yeah. second. I knew what you meant. That wasn't a, and a barrel is hard you're to absolutely achieve. Right. A, a barrel is hard to Correct. achieve. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So, and I did not articulate it that well at all. And you're right to key in on that because that is poorly that is poorly phrased. So, a barrel is what. When we watch guys hit and we're, we're watching prospects, that's what we're looking for. That means you got the barrel of the bat on the ball and you, and you crushed it. Normally, when you barrel it, it, it it's going to be a, a hit, an extra base hit. It's going to be hit hard. It's kind of like exit velocity or anything like that where you're, lo- where you're looking. So, so you can look at a, at a good barrel. Pers- uh, so one of the stats people use is, is the percentage of times somebody barrels it, right? Because um, we're all looking for hard contact. So something that we, me and you, don't like about Victor Reyes is he rarely barrels it. So even though he has kind of an average exit velocity normally, he, he, he's rarely hitting the ball like really hard, right? Um, he's not getting barrels. One of the best at barrels is Nick Castellanos, right? He'll, who crushes the shit out of the ball. So what I mean by that is Willie does barrel it up at an above average rate, which is fantastic. So he does find the barrel of the bat and, and will do damage. My point with the comparing it, because all of these things have to be put in context with his exit velocity, is that you're, you're only going to barrel it about, I think on average, it's about 6 or 7% of the time. Willie maybe is at like 8, 8.5, something like that. So the Willie rest was of the time... Willie was at 9.6 uh, last year, 6.2 for if you count uh, 2019. Perfect. So, so nine is a great number. That's, that's well above average, I believe. Um, outside of the times he barrels it, though, he's not, it's a lot of weak contact besides that, right? So for every hitter, even if they barreled a lot, which is great, you also want to see them hitting the ball hard and the times they don't barrel it, right? Because even though it's not ideal, it's still, it's still better. You want more hard contact. And so the issue with Willie is that He'll have that that good 
uh, barrel percentage when everything was going right in the 140 at-bats, but his average exit velocity is still below average because on average, he's not hitting it hard. So, so I do like the fact that unlike Reyes, he will barrel it on occasion and he will get a hold of it. It just doesn't happen. It does have, it All happens right. a fair amount, but, but the rest of the contact isn't hard enough to really love the offensive profile. Thank you for clarifying that. All right. So 9% of the time he barrels it, we still have 91% of his, of his, balls in play to account for okay so that's what you're getting at and i know we're taking some people down to kindergarten with that level of stuff but i, I just wanted to i just wanted to clarify because you were like uh when he when he aside from the fact when he hits the ball hard he doesn't hit the ball yeah hard, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense right <laughs> all right trevor do you, do you have do you want to respond to to that rant that 30 minute rant that robert just went on about willie castro there's there's just one thing that keeps going through my mind here and that is that we're talking about the Detroit Tigers right now. And I don't think Willie Castro is your long-term solution at shortstop at starting shortstop. Maybe he is. If, if the new coaches can do something with him, but we're talking about the Detroit Tigers who are in year, whatever of the rebuild who are not really close to being competitive. So, I mean, it's not egregious that he's going to be your starting shortstop this year in my mind. I don't think he needs he should be long term necessarily, but right now if he's your best option at starting shortstop, I don't I mean just based on where the Tigers are, I don't really think it's that egregious. All right. And and yeah. and, I, and I'll respond to that and I'll respond to that and I don't I don't necessarily think it's egregious too. I'm not as opposed to Willie as Robert is. Um I I have No, but I'm I have, not opposed to it. I think I think you're right. That is it isn't egregious. I think you're absolutely right. It is not egregious. I think everything Trevor said is absolutely correct, right? That there aren't better options. I guess my my point is that I don't think he is that guy long-term. And I feel like they're saying this year, let's put him at shortstop and let's see. I feel like they know he's not the answer. And I, I, I feel like, what is he going to be long-term? I think he could be a good bench bat, a good, you know, kind of middle infielder guy you bring in for offense. And it just feels like, I don't know. It feels like they're just trying to sell him as something he's not this year. And it kind of rankles me. I think that I know that all the shortstops are hitting free agency next year, but it, it, it just feels like, like they're trying to have this experiment when we already know the answer. Well, but, but bef- before you cut me off, all right. <laughs> what, <laughs> sorry. What, I'm what, sorry. What, what I was trying to say is, um, uh, no, I don't think it was, I don't think it's egregious. Uh, your thought process there. I agree with Trevor. But I want to kind of go back to what Robert was talking about earlier about paying Sergio Alcantara $2 million to play shortstop behind prospect pitchers in double-A. Um, yeah, the Tigers suck. Willie Castro might not be the shortstop of the future. But we've been talking for a couple years now about how this rebuild has been established uh, behind pitching. Do you, do you want a butcher at shortstop? behind guys right. like Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal and uh, eventually Matt and Manning. Turnbull. Turnbull and Mize are heavy, heavy ground ball pitchers. I know Scope was pretty good last year, but, you know, to have a butcher at shortstop. And again, Willie does have tools, I think, to say he could become average is not a ridiculous statement, right? Uh, but he ha- but- he hasn't been so far. And that's my other concern is the, the, the defense they put behind these guys when it's supposed to be a, a pitching first rebuild. I think you're very astute to, to bring that up. And that's, that's a great point. I just want to add that just 
I mean, look at what they have been putting out there, though, as as this infield, right? We're, what, a year removed from Dowell Lugo getting consistent time in the infield? I mean, I think that the infield is, is better, even with Willie at short. I think it's better than what we've had in past years, and and uh, and the Tigers aren't at the point where they're going to be signing their their guys right now that are that are going to fill in the rest of the spots for the rebuild. So, you know, Nico getting pushed out, like you mentioned earlier, I think Nico was great for being the best player on a bad team. But I mean, what is he really? If you put him on a good team, if he's getting pushed out, I think that speaks to where um, the organization thinks they are right now in terms of this rebuild. And I think that you know. I just think that the the infield is is a lot more fun now, at least, than it has been in the past. And you know, if they want Willie Castro there, if they see something there, that's great. Yeah, um, I don't it, think it's great. I mean, but that's where I would push back. I don't think I don't think that the bar for the season is better than Dewal Lugo. And I just think they shouldn't. Like, I don't think I don't think that's the goal. I don't think the idea should be well. We're we're not ready to compete, so nothing matters. I think that. For and that's huge not what I spots. Mean. No, I know, but I think that's kind of the feeling the team has, right? Like, and I think that look, you need to do. So- I don't understand how you're how you can run a team for six years and just have, just have no one better you want to try out there, have no other options, or you just say, well, we're punting this year and we don't know who's going to play the position, but they're going to be free agents next year, so we're not worried about that. I just don't think that's a good use of the roster and a good use of now multiple years where they just spent years not. Not finding out anything, just just gone. There, there was no use to having the year, right? Uh, to me, I, I find it disappointing. Um, so I don't want to run into all the position battles because we're we're running a little long here. But I, I will say this: I I do, I do think Nico Goodrum makes this baseball team, and I do think Nico Goodrum is the starting shortstop by the All Star break. So I'll leave it at that. That's how I feel about Nico Goodrum. It's not an indictment on Willie Castro. Um, I, I just, I, I agree. I, and I don't agree with everything you said, uh, Robert, like, like I appreciate the research and I, and the assessment and I understand it. Um, I think Willie can hold down the job for a little bit, but I think the plate discipline things eventually is going to get exposed. And if there's not a dramatic step forward with the defense, then you can't run him out there every day by, by the time well, you get to mid season. The, the other thing here with, with the on, shortstop, yeah, the other thing here with the shortstop is that there's a reason people were saying the Tigers needed to, to draft a shortstop, right? There just wasn't depth in the system. So if you were going to get a better option at shortstop, you were going to have to bring it in through free agency. And this year's free agent shortstops, it was kind of a tier where the Tigers weren't going to want to pay or sign somebody for that long necessarily. And then I, I don't think there was a shortstop there that really you're going to sign and say, okay, well, he's going to be better than what we have. So I, I think that, Again, I think this is fine. I like what the organization, I mean, what I'm interpreting this being from the organization, what they're thinking about where they are in terms of this rebuild. It it makes sense. It it makes sense to me. I want to clear up something, though, Keenan, about the Willie thing and about the BAPIP. The BAPIP is not going to be 450. So when you say, or when we say, I think he could be better, that's presuming he could walk more, which I don't think will happen, but could happen, right? But like my point is that if you have a 5% walk, what walk, uh, walk rate and you strike out 27% of the time like he has in the minors the the BAPIP is not going to be 450 that's just that's going to be nearly impossible to do over 600 at bats right so he's going to have to 
to walk more. Nobody expects Willie Castro to have a 932 OPS ever again in his career, but that's not what's required of him. Right, but I'm saying the the path to this, when we talk about the the luck infused, I think we have to be clear about about where a reasonable BAPIP, even to say it could be 360 for a full year, that's something that it wouldn't be lucky, but could happen. But the point is he's going to have to walk more than 5% of the time to have any real pathway to being an average starter, I think is the point. Agree he has to walk more. Agree the BAPIP will normalize. But the exit velocity on non-barrels could and should also improve. So like it's all hope is not lost that Willie Castro could be a serviceable offensive player good enough to get me through the 2021 season. All right. We'll come back to that. And I'm going to save all the other position battles cuz we're running a little long. Uh, but yeah. we did have a, we did have a few questions on Twitter and I asked for fake questions only. So and of course Field Diamond throws a legit question at me about Chris Fetter helping Joe Jimenez. Like uh, Joe Jimenez didn't even cross my mind during this conversation tonight. Like I for- almost forgot he was on the roster, which is unfortunate cuz Chris Fetter is the kind of guy that I think could help Joe Jimenez. Um, no, I think this isn't even the guy that I usually th- is, is, is. I hadn't even thought of him when it comes to Feder. Do you know who I'm interested in? Obviously, the prospects and what what Feder can do with them. I want to see what he does with Turnbull, um, because you know Spencer Turnbull is if 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 they can find a way to make him more a little more consistent. I mean Spencer Turnbull is I, he's just so good. So Turnbull is the main guy for me when it comes to what Feder can do and. Um, just to throw this in also, because I've said this a couple of times, the revamped um, development, pitching development, whatever you want to call it, within the Tiger system and how it's supposed to be good. I, I'm very interested in Joey Wentz as the prospect to um, watch in terms of where the development of their uh, ability to develop pitchers is. Uh, I'm not going to argue with that. I love Joey Wentz. 6'5", athletic, already has a plus changeup, lefty. I'm in. I'm in on Joey Wentz. I'm all in on I, Joey Wentz. I can't watch Joey Wentz and think best possible outcome is like a Dallas Keiko where he'll have a few good years, but other than that, just be a a, a solid starter at the back end of a rotation. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. I, I want to, if there's no more serious questions, I think before we go, we should say, <laughs> we should answer any question, but we should say one person we think is going to, you know, surprise people this year. One person we think will not surprise people this year. Oh, you can't put me on the spot like that, though. Okay. Well, Trevor, right. do you have I mean, anyone? You, you can. Yeah. Oh, my God. Schreiber was claimed? Oh, no. Yeah. He's Boston's now. Where you been, Oh, no. Robert? That was, that I was, missed that. Yeah, that was essentially like two years ago in Twitter world. Oh, my God. That's terrible. I love Schreiber. And then that's he what I was saying. Everybody's been claimed. Everybody we DFA gets claimed. Wow, Schreiber and Matt Hall got claimed by Boston. Who had that in their pool? <laughs> you collect your money. Whoever got that in the lotto. So, okay. Uh, to, to answer the question that uh, was going around before the Schreiber talk, um, <laughs> I'm going to throw two guys that I think will surprise people because one of them is cheating. Um, but one of them is Brian Packard. Um, and I think that not just uh, – I mean, I know I love Brian Packard and all. I think what's going to surprise people is um, I don't. I don't – I think the strikeout numbers are going to go down. Um, it's just my opinion of watching, but it seems like there's a lot of times I feel like he was just so, so patient. He found himself in bad counts and that hurt his strikeout numbers. 
uh, more so than than any sort of swing and miss. Maybe that's completely wrong. That's just how what what I'm seeing. I, I love Brian Packard. I think the strikeout numbers will go down. So that specific aspect of Brian Packard, I think, will surprise people. Um, for another prospect that I think will surprise people, um, I'm just going to go wild and say uh, Adinso Reyes. I don't know why. But in the limited video I've been able to see, I really, really enjoy Reyes. And I hope that he's done really well for himself um, with a year off. I hope he comes back well. I think he could absolutely surprise people. And the other end, who won't surprise people, um, I'm the low man on Nick Quintana. So I I don't – man, I just – I'm the low man on Nick Quintana. (laughs) No one is lower than me. (laughs) You're not the low man. You're like his mom compared to where I am. <laughs> All right, fair I enough. Mean, but Nick no, Quintana, no I, I think, is not going to live up to what people are, are thinking he might be this year. Um, He's and, already been forgotten. It's like so bizarre. They do like every year. I feel like in the draft, I feel like someone's like, they look, they're drafting hitters. They totally, you thought Avila was bad, and they've totally changed. And then within six months, like the guy they took in the draft, it's like, well, who's next? Like before, it was Meadows and Liniac, then it was Quintana and Lipschitz, and now it's like, oh no, look, it's Workman and Cruz, right? And I think Workman and Cruz are better prospects, but already all those guys are like the forgotten man. I'm sorry, keep going. I just, no, it's, I mean, I don't know how much else on Quintana. It's just every time I see him, it just it seems like the ball has to be put in one specific spot for his swing to work, and uh, and I just he made I'm, a ridiculous it, amount of errors, and he never hit the ball hard. He hit the ball hard twice in like. 200 at bats or something like that. I mean, yeah, I, I just can't get into Nick Quintana. Okay. Do you have anyone, Keenan? Those were uh, excellent choices, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, a, I do. I have a lot really. Um, but I, I'll, I'll try to, I'll narrow it down to two. Um, who will surprise team? Let's year? make another two hours. Let's I know. Add, I, add another two hours onto this. I totally could. Um, who's going to surprise this year. It's going to be, it's Jose De La Cruz. And, the only reason I have is because Bryant Packard said Jose De La Cruz is the best baseball player he's ever laid eyes on and that he's guaranteed to play in the major leagues. Like, and he was not messing around. Like that's, that's all the scouting report I need. Um, so my eyes are on Jose De La Cruz based on Bryant Packard's scouting report. Um, who's, who's going to disappoint? I got usually not surprise or disappoint. <sighs> Parker Meadows. I mean, I, I tell you, I, I have no faith in. She looks so brutal. I just, I, I, the thing is, like, I haven't seen Parker Meadows in so long. He could show up with like a full beard and be like 260 pounds, like completely unrecognizable, and just start mashing. But there's, he's I got mean, no feel for the baseball he, or for the barrel. He's got no feel for it. It's a, it's a. There's just so many holes in that swing, and and I, I have. He, he's not a guy. He's just not a guy for me. Everybody talks about how tooled up he is, but I'm like, I, I, I don't see the tools unless we're watching slow pitch softball. Like there's tools, but when you start throwing 92 in on the hands, I don't see any of those tools. I just don't. Yeah. The swing is long. He, he has no feel for the barrel. I know what you mean. And the power is crazy. Remember, I'm still talking about that game he had against the Tampa Bay low A affiliate where he hit the ball out of the stadium. And it was in the middle, you know, we had been saying from the beginning of the year, he's going to put up horrendous numbers in the first half. And all we cared about was where he was at in August. And, and then it was in like, year. Yeah. and then it was in like late July, he hit two home runs. And I think like 10 days or something, Clint, that out of the stadium one against the Tampa Bay team. And we thought, mm-hmm. 
oh no, here it, here it comes. And it's hard to describe when people say no feel for the barrel. What does that mean? It's, it's like if you've ever watched basketball and you see like Zion Williamson who gets, who gets the ball around the hoop and he's, he's so soft there. You know what I mean? Like he can lay it in from so many different angles. He's got great. And then you see Aaron Baines who, who plays like, I mean, he's like Dr. Zoidberg. Like it's like he's wearing oven mitts when he plays. He's like volleyball spiking the ball when he tries to tap it in. Yeah, right? like he's he's not That's he's, what, he's not Ray Rivera. Like he's not Ray Rivera. Like Ray Rivera, you can just you can you can get him with spin and and make him just chase whatever you feel like. Um, he just not hitting. He's not going to hit the ball with any authority consistently. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't find the barrel. He just doesn't. He would be banged in that scenario where he has the he has raw power and when he does barrel it up, it go, it flies. But he so just one, can't. One, one third of us is going to promote Parker Meadows. Uh, just to throw that out there, I'm not. I can't. I can't quit Parker Meadows yet. Um, that's. I mean, that's fine. I mean, look. I. I I'd love I'm to be still wrong into about Parker it, but, Meadows. Um, but the thing is, it's just he's got that. You know, we all everybody's got their uh, type of player that they just can't ever give up on. Um, I know I joke with you a lot, Keenan, about the backup catcher profile. Mm-hmm. For me, athletic that's Keenan. That's Keenan's like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, for I me, thought you were gonna say you were the backup catcher. No, that's for fine. me, that's for me. It's it's just athletic outfielders. Like I'm still out here telling you know, telling. Uh, I mean, I just. If Buddy Reed is an example of a guy that I just absolutely love all the like I just can't quit Buddy Reed for some reason and uh, Taylor Trammell. I, I yeah to an extent. Oh uh, wow. Um, okay. Junior uh, Junior Perez who was also who was in the Padre systems now with the uh, Athletics. I'm way higher on him than I should be. Uh, Dwayne Williams Sutton who's still with the Padres like I. That's that's it's athletic outfielders and apparently outfielders that went to uh, ECU like Bryant Packard. Like I just love those two types of players. Oh. You had to say ECU because Packard is not athletic. Yeah, Keenan Keenan loves loves backup catchers. I saw Keenan once at spring training hold up Joey Morgan's old gear and he he hugged it and he said, "Why can't I quit you?" I think I definitely saw him do that. No, year, no, so I mean, listen, listen. Uh, I, I love I love most backup catchers. Joey Morgan is not someone. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, you have an Arvicent Perez attack <laughs> where 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 Jed has Victor Reyes. You have and, Arvicent and, Perez. And I and and instead of Meadows, like I thought about saying Jake Rogers tonight, but I, I went with Kate Meadows Skibbet. instead because I, I feel I feel more strongly about Meadows disappointing this year than I do Jake Rogers. Um, all right. I, we legit. I have to wrap this up, but um, okay. Am I we have give my two or what? Do I get oh, to talk? All right, <laughs> yeah, you, you get to have your two. <laughs> okay, I think. Well, first I want to say, Trevor, you you mentioned Packers. Have we have we have you have we not given you enough airtime tonight? <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. It's if I haven't talked enough. It's like, hey, I only talked for a hundred and fifty for an hour and fifty minutes of the fifty-five. <laughs> I need more. God damn it. Best <laughs> your two. But tre- I'll, I'll make this very quick. Trevor, you're absolutely right. Packard strikeouts are going to go down. For one, he played, there were so few reps in 2019 where literally like he took an eight-hour bus ride to get to low A when he went up to West Michigan. And then he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts that like in like two of the three were looking on pitches a foot out of the zone. So absolutely he's going to strike out less. Uh, he's a good pick. When I actually was mentioning that, I was thinking of guys on the MLB roster. So I, I'll say I think Turnbull makes a, a mini leap this year. And I think Willie comes 
uh, falling, hurtling back to earth. Because I think he's going to walk about 5% of the time and he's going to strike out about 27% of the time. And when that happens, there's, you know, the math is just not on your side. There's real, there's no real pathway to being a great hitter. So those would be my... I did not see that coming. But my, uh, my, uh, but Turnbull, I think, I think you guys are right. I think he makes a mini leap. I mean, at least, hey, you're consistent, Robert, because you and I were on the Turnbull train when he was like the 21st ranked prospect and he was pitching in Erie and everybody was like, uh, it's a bullpen arm. That was crazy, though. I mean, I felt like no one was. I mean, I get, I can understand having him as a bullpen arm because the command has never been good. And he has he gets flustered and stuff like that, and he starts to struggle. But I'll it was like when, get his debut in AAA when he struck out like like eleven of the first thirteen. Like I was yeah. I was live tweeting that game for the Mudhens at the time. Like I was having so much fun. When me and Keenan, we weren't even friends yet. We but we were still like I had tweeted Keenan and was like, "That's my guy. Back off!" Like in a, jo- <laughs> in a joking way, not not serious, you know, because um, I liked Keenan's account so much and. uh we were going crazy when that happened, but it wasn't so crazy to think he would be a reliever. The crazy part was like Burroughs and Funk being so far ahead of him and you would watch them pitch on consecutive nights and it would be like one of these things is not like the other. He is so much better. And the team didn't even seem, I mean, the team brought him up as a reliever, Matt Hall, <laughs> like they brought him up after Matt Hall. That's how much faith they had in him. It was bizarre. And I'll tell you, the one thing I like about Turnbull is he looks like a grown ass man right now. Like he's fit. Like he's filling out the jersey, you know. Like he just looks like an athletic dude, and uh, I, I mean, I think he is. I think he's. A, I think he's a legit dude. Um, but we'll see. The one question I did want to answer um, is from Tigers KG. Uh, he, he's he's one of the Motor City Bengals. He's guys. a great guy. He's yeah, awesome. yeah. And he said, "Which Tigers prospect would you trust most to watch your pets if you're out of town?" And um, Packard. Obviously, Terry chimed in and said, you got to go with Packard, Liniac, or Kreidler. They seem like cat-dog people, am I right? And Packard chimed in. Packard chimed in right away. I'm a cat fanatic. Kreidler says, I think the three of us could start a pet-sitting business one day. But the person that popped into my mind immediately was Max Green. Um I feel like I feel like Max Green could be. I can't be believe like, we did a three-hour podcast and didn't bring up Max Green. I feel like Max Green <laughs> could be like Daniel Norris's like zany little troublemaking, like Dennis Younger the Menace brother. type brother. Yeah, but Max Green. If they would, did a sitcom, he would be the wacky neighbor. Max Green would do fun things with your pet. Like he wouldn't just cat sit. Like he would he would take I mean, your cat on some adventures. Max Green would probably. I I mean I don't want to get anyone in trouble here, but. This, this has all the hallmarks of, you know, blowing the pot smoke in the cat's face and leaving a note saying we got the cat high. I mean, right. I, let's just let's just call it like it is. All right. Right. I and think that's that what would happen. For. That's what I'm paying for. If I'm paying for you to cat sit <laughs> in any event, um, I'm going to I'm going to cut this, guys, because uh, I'm going to try to salvage way too long before uh, <laughs> we get into baseball season. But I really appreciate you both coming on. Trevor, uh, thank you so much. Trevor, plug your plug your Twitter. I love your Twitter. Yeah, uh, at Hooth Trevor. That's yeah, like uh, just tweet baseball jokes and uh, and gift threads. It's really all it's good for. And the the gift threads are fantastic. They're really great. At bless you boys. At pitcher list. At Viva Albertos. At Prospects Live. He's a busy Prospects dude. Lives. They do awesome work. They're really great. Yeah, I'm not gonna plug your Twitter, Robert. Um, yeah, it really probably shouldn't, to be honest. 
<laughs> like just yeah. don't it don't find me just talk to keenan it's better don't even <laughs> don't even talk to me no but trevor seriously I, I really appreciate you coming on love to have you on again sometime gentlemen uh we got some baseball spring training underway it's we'll do it again day. soon yep take care all right Yeah, yeah, dead. I'm from the home where the buffalo roam and niggas don't.